Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. My name is Josiah Kane. I'm joined by Isaac Kane and Chuck Jones. It's good to have you guys with us this morning. We are at IHOP as usual. Today I got the Southwest Chicken Bowl with hash browns as a side. And classic little brother move. I decided to copy him and get the Southwest Chicken Bowl. Um, but I still got my pancakes. I got them as a side. Yeah, and I can't remember what it was I had. <laughs> the country breakfast. Yeah. Yes. Bull. What Bull. country? I am not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. I really would like to encourage you guys to reach out to us and uh, participate in what we're doing here. We want to hear from you guys, know what you think. We're really interested in who is listening, what your thoughts are. If you have a topic that you'd like us to talk about, something you'd like us to, to comment on, or if you have a criticism or a thought that goes along with one of these episodes, we just want to hear from you. So you can email us. The email address is breakfasttheology at gmail.com. Well, let me just throw out in the hopes of spurring people to contact us that if we don't hear from you we're going to take that as meaning you agree with everything we say (laughs) there you have it you have your stamp of approval on every episode unless you comment otherwise (laughs) and if you live in the Grand Rapids area or if you want to make a little trip We'd love to have you on as a guest. We are open to giving you free breakfast. That's awesome. (laughs) So today, as you probably already know because you looked at the title before you clicked on this episode, we're talking about hospitality, which is an interesting word. We have things in our culture that have the same kind of root like hospital hospitable and hospitality Mm -hmm. and I think there is some really key verses in a biblical teaching that points us towards hospitality and particularly I think it can be a useful tool for evangelism but also just in following the commands that we have from our father Right now at North Kent Bible Church, we are in the middle of a, a home group Bible study where we're going over hospitality, and the book we're looking at is The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield, and she's a pretty interesting lady who uh, used to be a lesbian and uh, was one of the leaders in queer theory back in the 90s at Syracuse University, mm-hmm. and she had this run-in with a a guy named Ken Smith who's a pastor and through his hospitality and his wife's hospitality uh, really opened up the door to Christianity for her and over some time doing some research she gave her life to Christ uh, gave up her same-sex relationship ended up marrying uh, a pastor and having kids with him and now she is a firm believer that hospitality is maybe one of the best ways that we can evangelize and open up people's minds to Christ. Yes, mm-hmm. It definitely is a good way. Yeah. I don't know if it's the best. I'm of the school that one 
method of evangelism doesn't fit everybody. Definitely not. Absolutely. It might not fit your your circumstances. Right. It might not fit your gifts. It might not fit the people that you're coming into contact with. Exactly. But it is a method that we should consider, something exactly. that we should have in our minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it, it might be better than the method you're using, so try it and compare the two. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, we may not have any methods that we're using. Yeah. You guys still doing all right yeah. over here? Yes, we yes, are. We Thank are. you. All right, good to hear. Going to take this if you're all set? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes we don't even put any thought into evangelism or sharing our faith. Uh, and this is a really natural way to do that because all you have to do is uh, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> be friendly. Be friendly, be nice, and, and give your resources and share your time. Who knew that it could be so simple? <laughs> yeah. So, do you guys have any verses for us uh, that you have in mind for this topic? Start us off. Uh, yeah, I was thinking of some. Um, First Peter. That is definitely one of them. But uh, another verse. I don't. I, I wasn't thinking of that one either. Um, one verse I did think of actually was Isaiah fifty-eight, six and seven. Mm. Yep. Um, so I want to read that here in a second. Part of what's interesting here, of course, it's it's from the prophet Isaiah, God speaking through him, um, and he's giving a message to Israel about what God desires out of fasting. The people would you know fast a lot and have this practice of fasting, and basically there is a a right way to fast and a wrong way to fast, and Israel being Israel was doing the wrong way. Um, I think partly because I literally think they were just angry from being hungry, from not fasting, because it talks about, you know, they would go to wickedness and they would uh, fight each other and throw fists and say wicked things and be quarrelsome, and I think that might be kind of tied to the fact that they weren't eating any food. Yeah, and part of the... He's just hungry. Part of Isaiah 58 at the beginning also says that while they're fasting, they do whatever they want. Right. So they will mistreat their servants. They will, even though they're not eating particularly, they indulge in other ways. Right. And so right. their fast is, is not meditative. It's not for God. It's it's for just themselves. a way. Yeah. Way God's to look purpose in. for the fasting was lost. Right. In their hearts. Um, and so God tells us or tells the people through Isaiah what he does desire out of uh, the fasting and I think it ties well to this topic it says is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness to undo the straps of the yoke to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke verse 7 is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh we go to verse 11. Yeah. Like read through to verse 11. Oh, read through to verse 11? Yeah. Okay. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your real, your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. And you shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and spreading wickedness. If you pour yourselves out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, 
Then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as the noonday. Read through 11. That's good right there. Okay. So, <clears throat> God says, what you're doing, what you think you're doing, is not really what I want. What I really want is for you to treat people well. Mm-hmm. To do right things, which is righteousness. Mm-hmm. And then there's the opposite side of that, wrongness or wickedness. Wrongness. <laughs> New word of the day. Wrongness. Wrongness. You can take that one to the dictionary. <laughs> the wrongness of what they were doing mm-hmm. compared to the righteousness of what God wants them to be doing. And a part of that is treating those people who have need with dignity and giving them what they need. Mm-hmm which is the fundamental component to hospitality. Right. One of them, yeah. 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 Now, I think we can talk about that for a second. There might be a misconception about what hospitality means. I think uh, a lot of people might mean hospitality is welcoming people into your home, right, and being a hostess or a host and being hospitable in that way. Which Um, it certainly is that. Right. For sure. It's definitely part of it, but I think the truest uh, heart, the fundamental part of hospitality is to invite people into your life, you know, to share yourself with them. Um, as yeah. we read in Isaiah, you know, to give food to the needy and to let the homeless into your house or to take care of the needs of people and let them kind of invite into your life. I think we can see that as kind of the heart behind hospitality. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, the Greek word for hospitality is philoxenia. And have you guys ever heard of xenophobia? It's the, it's the fear of Friends. people groups that aren't your own. <laughs> so philoxenia is the love of people that are not your own. And that's what is hospitality and it's used in, in Romans 12 and in Hebrews 13. We can look at those passages later, but it's literally transmitted like a love of strangers. Yeah. You know, to love someone who isn't part of your in-group yeah. and to show them your resources and your vulnerability, as Isaac was saying, to, to treat them as if they were a part of the in-group when they're not. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense even with the normal thinking that we have of hospitality. You know, you let people in that aren't part of your nuclear family and normally a part of your house into your home. You know, so that's like a tangible example of that concept. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, Hebrews 13, 2. Did you have this one? Uh, I did not. Okay, good. <laughs> Do not forget to entertain strangers. Is that what you were just talking about? Yep. Mm-hmm. For by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. I had a friend from Peru. He asked me to come. Come on down and visit Peru. We'll show you around the mountains. Hmm. I said, no, I don't think I want to go with the gorillas and all. Hmm. And he said, well, they say that that area is hospitable. If you go there, you'll end up in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> They're glad to welcome you into their medical care. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that in Hebrews thirteen two is that loving a stranger or, or caring for a stranger word. Mm-hmm. 
gets translated in English as hospitality. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I'm sure you all have had people you can think of in your mind where, you know, as soon as you met them, you just kind of felt like you were at home or like they were happy to see you and they like invited you in and made you feel welcomed at a certain church or in their home or something. And I think that's the heart of hospitality. It's like you immediately start feeling like you're a part of their group. Yeah. And I, there were, there was a couple in Portland, Oregon that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was a older gentleman mm -hmm. old enough to be my grandfather but I went to his house for the first time and met him hmm. come on in yeah sit down fed me some things and it was like I was there in their family mm -hmm. it, was, it was really wonderful yeah I think that's what um, the author of the book you were just talking about probably felt and experienced and what really helped shape, transform her life from being pretty much against the church to being part of the church. Yeah, you know? Rosaria Butterfield was very much against the church. In fact, she was writing a book against Christians, mm -hmm. which is why she thought Ken Smith would be a good resource for her to good, gather, good some close to. Yeah, gather some ammunition against her right. enemy. Right. And uh, he just happened to be nice enough to change her mind. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's truly amazing. You know? Yeah. Here, here is what happened. She has a she had a fan mail pile and a hate mail pile. Can you guys be together yeah. Today, One together? check. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. So she had this fan mail pile and this, <coughs> and this hate mail pile, and so she would organize things that she got because she was a controversial writer. And then she got this one letter from Ken Smith that was smack dab in the middle. Like, not agreeing with her, also not being rude, just like genuinely open-minded and nice, but also saying, hey, maybe we should talk about these things. And that, that was enough to open up the door, you know. Mm. To not beat someone over the head with your opinion is a, a good start. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, okay, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of that cliche saying, but it's really, really true that, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, I've heard it a lot, but it really does speak true. And, and, you know, Ken showed that right there. And I think she felt the heart of that. Of, I have a curiosity and open mind and through hospitality show that I care about you. And she grew more open to hearing what he knew. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, I was challenged some years ago to uh, by a, a fellow who belonged to a church who practiced foot washing hmm. during communion. Interesting. Yeah. And so he was challenging us to you should be probably be doing that too. Well, yeah, obviously, if you do it, you're going to want to encourage other people to do it. Mm -hmm. But I tried to determine what is it that foot washing represents. Mm -hmm. Well, it dawned on me one day what that represents because of the way it was practiced. You come to my house and I wash your feet. Mm -hmm. I go to your house, you wash mine. 
And I thought, that is hospitality. Mm-hmm. I think really hospitality comes back to the, the golden rule or the uh, very important scripture that Jesus <laughs> spoke. <laughs> um, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. So often we treat our neighbors as they treat us. Exactly. Instead right. of loving them the way that we want to be loved. And foot washing is a great example. If you got dirty feet and you're going to walk into your house, you're going to wash your feet. I mean, I'm kind of particular about my feet. <laughs> there is nothing better than taking a shower and putting on a pair of nice, clean, dry socks after a day of, like, working. Or, like, when I'm running the snow plow and shoveling, I'm just, like, sweating like crazy. Oh, yeah. Or, like, when I'm running a chainsaw and, like, all the dirt and the, the yeah. sawdust or I'm working... You just see your feet get nasty. You're like in this, like at the beach or something. Your just feet are dirty after playing around a disc golf or whatever. And I come home and I wash my feet, put on a clean pair of socks. I'm like, oh, like heaven. Yeah, <laughs> that restores me almost more than anything. And so that is, and especially in the culture where Jesus lived, everybody wore sandals and they walked everywhere, and so your feet would get disgusting. And, and coming into another person's house, it was just polite. Especially if you're going to be dining with them. You know, you want to make sure your feet are clean. That way you don't have your dirty feet near the food. Right. And Well, they did lay down. Yeah, yeah, they're more of a seated kind of, you know. Right, they would sit lower to the ground. Right. And so your feet, feet are like right covered there. up by the table. Yeah. yeah. So it was just a, that, a great act of service. And usually dedicated to people of slaves, you right, know? Right, right. Which might have been one of the biggest symbolisms of it all. Yeah. You know, that Jesus was willing to do that quote-unquote lowly act because it's hospitable and showing love. I think an equivalent maybe to today would be like going to someone's house and being willing to clean their bathroom for them or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Titus 1, mm-hmm. Paul is giving instruction on what it takes to be an elder like the requirements Mm -hmm. for this high position in the church and he says an elder must be blameless Mm -hmm. faithful to his wife a man whose children are believers uh, not charged with being wild or disobedient since an overseer manages God's household he must be blameless not overbearing not quick tempered not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. In verse 8, instead of those things, he says, rather, someone who needs to be in this position should be hospitable. One who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just think back to Abraham, who is the father of our faith, and these these two strangers show up, and immediately he jumps on it. You know, mm-hmm. cook like he's like. We need to cook for these people. We need to, you know, make sure they're prepared. Like sitting in the shade here. Let me take care of yeah. you. You know. Yeah. Or I even think of uh, David with um, Jonathan's son, who is uh, lame, as in wasn't able to walk. Not like he was lame, but he was unable to walk, and uh, he was afraid. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he was part of 
Saul's lineage, and so he was afraid, especially as a lame person, because unfortunately they were much less accommodating and, and compassionate towards people with disability in that day, uh, that he would be rejected by David and possibly like, killed or just cast away. Um, rejected, it's an interesting term. Mm -hmm. Rejected. But instead, because David loved Jonathan so much, and this was one of Jonathan's kids, he welcomed him to, his, to the kingly table, which is an incredibly high honor of that time, and showed hospitality and love to him and said, you know, for the rest of your life, basically, you're going to be taken care of for it. You'll get the food that you need. You have shelter. You have the king's blessing, you know, which is an incredible hospitable thing to do to him, I think, at that moment, too. Mm -hmm. Back to your verse on Titus 1, you know, about what it takes to be an, an elder or an overseer. You know, I like how he says, you know, elders shouldn't be this. They should instead be this, as if it's like an opposite to the first things. And so I think of, you know, maybe hospitable is kind of the opposite of being um, arrogant or greedy. Um, you give willingly. Yeah, without yeah, you give willingly and you're okay being the servant, so to speak, rather than thinking that you're all that and arrogance, you know. So it's, there's a true power in, in hospitality, for sure. I was a poor college student for a long time. And some of those impactful things for me during my years of college were people who were hospitable to me. People who welcomed me into their home and, and gave me food mostly was what it ended up being. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big blessing to someone who doesn't make much money near his bills. Starving, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that uh, my in-laws, they do... Or they did, rather. I mean, their situation has changed because their kids had gone up. But while their kids were in high school and college, they put into their budget extra money to have to spend on people who would come to their house so that they could give them food and snacks and take them out and do things. So they, and I think this is the important part, is you prepare to be hospitable. Yeah. So you live, you live with flexibility in your time and your resources. You live below your means, and you mm -hmm. schedule time so that when the opportunity arises, you're prepared to be hospitable. Mm -hmm. If you're living, proactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're living on the brink of money and time, living paycheck to paycheck, it's hard to be hospitable and give extra. You can still do it, for sure. Right. But I think there's a, a good practice of mm -hmm. preparing to be hospitable. Yeah. I just thought of a... The psalm, Psalm 15, psalmist is asking the question, who may abide in your tabernacle, who may dwell in your holy hill, and he goes on, yeah. he goes on to the, describe the, the individual, and one of the characteristics is that he swears to his own hurt and doesn't change. He makes a promise, and now if that promise looks like it's going to cost him a little extra, he doesn't change his mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wanted to sleep in that day. It doesn't matter. He doesn't change his mind, even though it goes against his own desires. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was thinking, with examples of hospitality, I was thinking of First Kings 
chapter 4 is talking about um, some of the examples of Elisha. It says here, 2 Kings 4, verse 8, One day Elisha went on to Shinum, or Shinim, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. I mean, right there, this woman is showing hospitality every time Elisha comes by. She's a food pusher. No. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's encouraging him to, to eat and, and have some rest and recover there. Mm -hmm. um, and so, verse 9, And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. Uh, which is showing an incredible heart to want to provide a place, you know, to build a whole extra extension of your house just for this one person that comes by. You know, that's a that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. You know, verse 11 says, you know, he came there and he turned into the chamber, that room that they made and rested. And then it goes on from there to say that he repays them for their generosity and hospitality towards him. And it really is a blessing to their family. Um, it's just cool to see an example of, here's this kind of seemingly random woman that's part of Elisha's life that showed some hospitality and God blessed her for doing it. You know? And that's what uh, scripture says too, is that when we give, it's the Lord who repays us. Yes. Absolutely. You know, so we, sh we shouldn't be giving, looking for a return or interest mm -hmm. or giving to people who can only give back to us. We right. should be giving to the people who really need it. Right. And it's the Lord who's going to honor that. That's what the proverb says. He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's no one I'd rather have paying me. <laughs> <laughs> than the one who's infinite? Yeah. The and, one he, who, and he doesn't lie. Yeah. yeah. The one who made money <laughs> and made all the resources of the universe. Right. There's this one other interesting story about Elisha in 2 Kings 6. So the king of Aram gets mad at Elisha and he sends an army and his servant's freaking out. And then Elisha's like, don't worry. He's like, what do you mean don't worry? We're surrounded by an army. <laughs> it's just us. And he's like, God opened his eyes. And, and then he sees the myriad of angels, you know. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then Elijah... Uh, asks God to strike this army with blindness. And so there's a bunch of blind soldiers and Elijah's like, here, I'll lead you to where you want to go. Because <laughs> I'll show you the man you want. And he leads them all the way back to Samaria. And then he opens their eyes and they're inside Samaria and they're like, what's going on? It's <laughs> um, a good question. And then when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elijah, oh, can I, can I kill them? <laughs> um, because he's like, oh, great, my enemy is right in my, like, we got him trapped. Mm -hmm. And Elijah's like, nope, uh, great, create a great feast for them, feed them, take care of them, mm. and then we'll send them on their way. <laughs> and so they do. Uh, begrudgingly, the king of Israel creates this great feast for these guys and, and gives them food and water and, and takes care of them. And then they send them back to Aram. And uh, and the king of Aram's like, what what happened? And he's like, we uh, 
we went to this guy. Uh, we were all blind. We were in Samaria, and then they gave us a bunch of food and sent us back. I don't think we should mess with them <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, but it's just interesting, like, Jesus says, love your enemy. Mm-hmm. This is a real-life example of God providing a way and opportunity for the option to love your enemy, to be hospitable to the people that you... And the you, power it really has. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. to love someone and, and give them what they need when there are lots of other reasons not mm. to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is a true show of, of God's grace and love. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. It's very powerful. Yeah. Another example I think of is in Acts chapter 6. Um, so in Acts chapter 6, there's kind of a new problem that arises in the church. Because this, again, is kind of like the first history book of the early church, right? Um, you know, it says, Acts chapter 6, the very beginning, verse 1. It says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, who were like Greek-speaking Jews, more Greek people, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So kind of an unfair... Uh, giving of resources towards one group over another. And so, you know, verse 2, it's talking about the 12, the apostles came together and said, we need to keep preaching, but we're going to make, we're going to have you guys decide seven good, holy, righteous, wise people to go and serve the tables and take care of this need in a holy, God-honoring way. Um, And so people agreed and liked it, and it talks about the people that they chose. And in verse 7, it says, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And so I think that's God blessing the church as well for showing a true kind of hospitality. Again, because it's not just inviting them to your home, but of showing them love as if they're part of the group. And um, so the church made a more effective system to make sure everyone was taken care of in, in a good, honoring way. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, God multiplied the church and multiplied their efforts, and even the priests started joining the faith because they saw basically what true Christ-like hospitality is. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Hospitality is something we often don't think about as being a way to be obedient to God and, and His commands. Mm-hmm. But I think it truly is. And it's not like you have to, like, stand out on your doorstep with a big sign that says, hey, come in my house. I'll feed you. We don't want to always do that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know that poem, come into my parlor, said the spider to the fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're not trying to prey on people. And we don't have to we always. We can pray for people. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but we... We need to be ready when the time comes. I think that's really the point here. When we can be hospitable, when we have the opportunity, we need to do it and show hospitality. Yeah, with no internal debate. Yeah. It's all about the heart. Yeah, the question's been decided. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of Breakfast Theology. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you 
take this lesson to heart that you prepare yourself for the option to be hospitable. Mm-hmm. Once again, reach out to us at breakfasttheology at gmail.com. Until next time. See you guys then. Bye.